questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. What is the true intent of the global collapse or Great Reset? Do you think this is a new concept? Or one that has been in the works for hundreds of years, if not more? Did you know? A new agreement with the World Economic Forum gives multinational corporations influence over matters of global governance? That would be a corporatocracy. What about the fourth industrial revolution and the push for climate change? If we truly live in an unsustainable environment, an economy, then it would be safe to say technology will play a big part in this transformation. Big tech is creating a global body to govern itself. What if all of this is to transfer all wealth to a new set of trustees that doesn't include you? According to tonight's special guest, our discussion has never been publicly brought into the collective awareness. We really don't know what law is. In fact, most of academia, especially the bar union that controls all commercial intercourse, do not know what law is. As a consequence, the release of this information will be counterintuitive and will challenge the beliefs we hold. This will be a ride unlike any other because it will attempt to arrive at the one who is doing the listening as the main catalyst as to why this concept of a virus exists today. They are all agreeing to it. He asks that we don't take his word for any of this until you research the law yourself. He will disclose the entire reasoning where we are experiencing crimes against the people, now made legal. The purpose will give reasons for every conflict we are now facing, and so as to arrive at the only means in which we can stop it all, thus arriving at the Great Awakening. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and more. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, Rebounders, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. David Higgs was born under the Dominion of Canada, subject to the province of British Columbia. Basically, a layman with no academic credentials, school dropout, never knew what he wanted to be, was married to his best friend for over 20 years, have a few children, now with grandchildren, and was comfortable with the illusion in as much as everyone else is concerning their programming. He moved from job to job, mainly within the sales and marketing profession, most often leaving because he became bored after he was no longer a challenge or because of unfair practices witnessed. An entrepreneur, a commodity trader, a soccer coach, and eventually became researcher of the global system, our connection with source, and next, the law. In and around the year 2005, he was awoken by the reoccurring numbers of 1111. This began the journey inwards, hinged upon the intrinsic knowing that the current global system does not support the benefit of mankind 
and is unsustainable. By 2010, he was now fully immersed in his new skin, whereby he no longer belonged within the construct he had before, unwittingly built for himself. He left the city, his family and friends, and found himself living off the grid in a remote location on the West Coast. From that entry point until now, he interacted with perceived authority figures, the judicial system, its jailing practices, commercial redemption strategies, equity law, to then arrive here today in coming to know what is the law and its perfection, plus the global system, the purpose of the virus, and being 100% responsible for all his actions. His basic mantra and practice to coming to understand the global system and its truths is that he makes it his habit to let go daily of everything he has come to learn of that day so as to not be caught in a belief which serves only as a point of reference in order to come to know what is the truth of the matter, basically knowing that the truth can never leave us, metaphorically comparing it to the fact one cannot purify gold. It is already pure, but rather gold is removed of the impurities that surround it. It is a natural process of object negation that arrives one in the experience of subjective synthesis. It is the removal from source that allows us to come to know what source is. And direct from Grand Forks, British Columbia, Canada, I would like to welcome David Hicks. Hello, David, and welcome to Veritas. Hey, Mel. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Well, David, first of all, what can our listeners expect to come out with tonight? What knowledge are you going to impart upon them today? I'm actually going to clarify the misnomer of how, uh, you know, the system is, is structured and where we're headed. I mean, a, a lot of people, I believe, think that, uh, it's the globalist agenda and it's all about the elite wanting complete control of the world. But fat, but in actuality, it, uh, it more in line with the, uh, the, the, um, the methodology of the law. So we're actually in course right now of uh, following what the law has already preordained centuries ago. So I want to just, yeah, so I guess it's just uh, dealing with the beliefs that we've come accustomed to in the public and sort of uh, dissecting those and coming to the meat of the, of the matter. And by the way, the title that I've given this interview is the real intent of the global collapse or to many people, the, the modern name now is the great reset. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, as well as is running in conjunct uh, with the uh, the Great Awakening, so they're running parallel. So, are you saying that there's going to be a fork in the road where we can, if we choose one, there will be the Great Reset, Global Collapse, and if we choose the other one, will be the Great Awakening, or are they both happening simultaneously? They're happening simultaneously. We have to see each thing that we've never seen before, so everything's getting uncovered. Once it's uncovered, we sort of create a new platform, and from there we can jump off and then create and then deal with the next platform. But the reality is, is everything is following in alignment with the law. So nothing's illegal per se. We're just following the the advances of the law as it, it corrects itself to where we should be as as real humans. David, I read a long bio, but I'm curious. I want our listeners to know. How did you get to know all of this? How did you acquire this knowledge? What brought you here? Um, 
there was a great awakening. I, I don't know if every, anyone that's heard of this before, but it was just a, a encodement, I guess, within my, my own, uh, my own system, which was the 1111. And I saw that number so many different times that it compelled me to look to see what that, if there was any significance to that number. So have well, I, by I, the way. So have I. Oh, okay. Great. You're not alone. Uh, I, I guess it's, it's pretty common now. Um, but there was, uh, I came to a point where I'd wake up and it'd be 111, then it'd be 211, then 411, then 511. So I looked into it and then it was, uh, I came to know on Solera who had, uh, opened up 11 gateways to bring in the, the unity of one consciousness. And through that, um, I then started delving down the rabbit hole as most people to understand what the system was. What is Monday? What is, what is money? What is government? Um, and I, uh, went into commercial redemption, uh, strategies, uh, listening to such men as Winston Shrout and, uh, Robert Menard here in, in, uh, up in Canada, uh, Dean Clifford. Uh, just, I mean, going through the different ideas that have, you know, that would surface for me to come to understand what the system was. And then I got really involved in the law of equity and I thought, Hey, that's, that speaks to the spirituality of, of who we are. And I thought that was the cat's meow. And I put a lot of effort into it. And then it only came through discussions through Facebook. Now, just digress a little bit. I had a mantra that I keep within myself at all times. And that is at any one time that I come to, uh, to a belief and I think that's the truth, I let it go. No matter what. It's sort of like I do it every night. I let go of all beliefs that I come accustomed or learn through that, that day with the knowing that only the truth would reside. Because there's only truth. So if I let it go, then I will not become confined to it. Because let's face it, we filter. Once we get a belief, we filter everything through it. So we can distort the truth based on that, you know, the, 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 uh, the structure of that belief. And we can never arrive at truth. In fact, beliefs are absence of truth so I, that's what i did i just kept on letting go and then i met somebody on, on facebook who would question my my beliefs and about equity and he says no you're not understanding what law is and so with that mantra i went into and and uh, started discussing uh things through his mind and all he ever did was brought in the law he only brought here's where this is that's where that is and could directly talk to it and then so uh, after years, um, let's say, I think it's from about 2017 onwards, I just started learning what the law was because the law was actually perfected. It's, it's, there's, it's, it's written so that it protects the individual from the group. And this is where we get lost in. We get lost in the group and thinking we're an individual, but the individual actually exists outside of the group. And that's where your law is. That's where your absolute rights are, and that's where you exist and can uh, and be before titles and, and, govern, and government and so on. When it comes to law, you and I were discussing this before. I'm always thinking of real estate. I'm always thinking of property taxes. You know, the people who buy real estate, they say, I own this property. Well, do you really own this property? Because if you even miss to make one or two years of payments, the government, the local government, will sell their property, get their taxes, and sell your property. So, and by the way, real comes from royal or 
the, the monarchy. We have three types of government. We have monarchy, democracy, and aristocracy, I believe. So when it comes to property, do we really own it or is it just an illusion? The Yeah, we're assumed owners. We're tenants upon the land. We do not own uh, any land. We own property rights. Property rights, you can only get or receive what that party has granted to you. They cannot give you a, a greater estate than what they have. Government was created from, from the monarchy. So it's second level from the monarchy. And it had a right to govern the use of land. That's all it does. It's administrator. In fact, it's administrator of over waste. Now, waste is, you know, if you're building something or taking something apart. So they're the counters or the accounting firm to govern over the waste. And then they sell those rights um, as legal and equitable use to, to land to their citizens. Uh, they, no, I guess you would grant that right to citizens, and then citizens trade that through purchase um, of these rights. You don't own a lodium. You have a a property right to control that land as a quasi-trustee to that land. And if you want me to develop that just a little bit further, the Please, yes. all, okay, all land um, that we're subject to as a citizen – is subject to a trust for sale. And I would say that began fully and completely in 1925 through the Land Act. And so there was the Settle Land Act, the Law of Property Act, and the Trustee Act in 1925. And through those different acts, the Law of Property Act is the one that everyone is under. And it's a trust for sale, meaning that no one owns anything. We're just exchanging things within it. And I can compare that to the game Monopoly. It's the same thing to me as Monopoly. It all goes back in the box. None of it's ours. But while we're playing it, we control those interests and have to pay the taxes and rents and so forth based on, you know, our movement within that, uh, on that board. So we are just moving things. We're trading things among each other. Now it's called. We're in the third level of use. We also understand the third industrial revolution, but it's a third level of use to land. And currently, and not get too far, but we're moving into the fourth level of use to land. That's what's happening right now. So if I want to put a, a blanket statement of what this whole entire global collapse is and the whole introduction of the virus is actually to herd the people into a fourth level of use to land, um, whereby they do not understand that concept, so they use the virus as a catalyst to get us there. And that's not going to be a good thing by, by any means. So before the trust for sale is, is our rights. That's the individual rights. It's like only one can pass through the gate. You cannot go with another person because that creates an agreement. Therefore, agreements are fiction of law. So as an individual, you have absolute rights to land, as is in, in biblically, you know, uh, ordained, you know, that uh, man is the steward. So in the syllogism, it goes, God uh, is a creator of man, therefore man can't be greater than God. And man is a creator of corporations, therefore corporations can't be greater than man. That's that's the reality. So all laws structured that way. But we're always stuck in the third level of use as tenants or quasi-trustees to the land, thinking we are owners, but we're the assumed owners. And therefore, that's why we're penalized and we have to pay all these fines and fees and, and, and all those different things. 
does this have to do, well, before I ask you that question, what we're discussing today, does it apply to every country or just countries that were former uh, British, let's say British colonies or British territories? I think in most cases, the foundations of land and land tenures and those rights annexed to land are foundationally accepted across the world. Um, and I'm not really sure of each country, but any English law foundational country is subject to the English law. And it doesn't matter how far you removed. Like, let's say the United States thinks that they are removed from the, the monarchy. Um, they are removed from the monarchy in the right to administrate over the land, but they're not removed from the monarchy because the monarchy holds the land in trust for the people as fidei commissium, which just means just as the flow through. So it's like um, if if I have something, I return to my mother and and I just and in trust I give to my father because I'm not my mother's not around. I said, you know, Dad, can you pass it on to Mom? I I would then put that trust into my father to do that. And that's really what the that's really how it's it's structured. We are the absolute owners of rights to land, and then we, through operation of law, have granted that to the monarchy who holds it in trust, which is in a common law trust, and then grants it to the government to use it to whereby now they create <laughs> citizens um, who are tenants to use that land. So we're three times removed. Does that answer the question somewhat? Sometimes I can go on and <laughs> Well, understand that this is a very complicated, a very complex subject, and this is why I want to make it palatable and, and you know easier to understand. Uh, I'm thinking here in the United States. I, I forgot if it was the birth certificate. I know for a fact that when you get a Social Security, your the letters are all capitalized. And the moment they're all capitalized... You become chattel or collateral, and you're worth, I believe, if I'm correct, the amount is up two two and a half million dollars that the central banks can lend to the country based on the uh, people who, or, or the, I hate to use chattel, but being born almost like uh, cows, basically being branded with that number. And uh, in the old days, I remember you obtained that voluntarily. At the age of 15 or 16, when you get your first first job, but now people are under the impression that when you are, let's say it's a, a young couple listening to us right now and the, the wife is pregnant and they're going to be going to the hospital, she gives birth, they do not allow you to leave the hospital until they fill out the paperwork for Social Security, which by the way, it's illegal. You can actually say, you are kidnapping me. Let me out of here. You don't need a social security in order to work, but that's a different show. What we're discussing here today, does that have any relevance or connection to to uh, the fact that the capitalized names, the collateral and all that? Um, not really. And and I know where you're coming from. I mean, again, I went down that, that rabbit hole and, and believe that we're collateral. But let's just go right to the, the foundational, like in Canada or right here in, in the province of British Columbia, we have what is called a live birth record, a registration of live birth. And that's a, we call it the indentured document because it's two parties signing that document. Then from that is an extract, which is the birth certificate, which is the all caps name. Now that indenture 
is really a timestamp, okay? Meaning that it's, it's solidifying your right to exercise and, and, um, when you come of age to vest your interest in land that the government has used. So you have an account in the private, in trust that the government has put into and those citizens have put into so that when you are ready, which is the 21 years of age in law, you can then go invest that interest, which is a settlement, and have that value returned to you. And now you're free. You're not part of the system. You're not under that uh, that modality, that, that system of governance. You are actually now in your full absolute rights to make your own agreements at that point. And you use the birth certificate, which is the LCAP's name, like at the token, you're moving that around the board. You're making, by moving that token, you become privy to that game. So you're playing it. Um, the reality is, is all law is subject to our agreement. So you're making the agreement through your actions, whether unwittingly or wittingly, you're doing it because that's all you know to do. And the government doesn't need to tell you any more than what it actually, you know, has itself. So you're, just continue to play that game without knowing that anytime you can stop that game and then your real life, your real, uh, your core values are, um, set in trust for you. Now they had to be that way because it's subject to the laws of inheritance, which is blood. And then what the government deals with is laws, rules of succession, which is those things that are dealt with in the future, our future rights or future interests. So, when that's always available to you, um, and that trying to make it uh, more sensical that 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 indenture, that live birth record, actually, because you're an infant, you cannot make a contract, you can't set allegiances, you don't know what law is. That it's there to protect you from the system and the government who's using your land. So it's keeping your your interests separate. So. It's important to have that, uh, that indenture, you know, in my opinion, because it sets a timestamp, but it's your agreement subsequent that entrap you. It's your beliefs and just following the system that creates the, the, the real problem. Cause law is only about agreements and they can only assume that you made the agreement with knowledge that you wanted to continue to play the game and move your piece, your token around the board. But, you just, you're just in reality don't understand that you have your true rights, which are before government, and those are held in trust for you when you're ready to, uh, uh, to vest that interest, which you cannot do. Well, you probably do it a little sooner than that, but 21 years is holding you now validating that agreement. That- no, that makes sense. It makes sense. I'm looking at the map of Canada here. And I knew this, but just by looking at it in comparison to the United States, you have 10 provinces and they're absolutely gigantic in comparison to, you know, we can fit 10 states in each of your provinces. Also, you have, what is it, as of now, 30, what is it, 33 million, 38.3 million inhabitants in Canada versus 332 million at the same time. You share a lot of our laws, but for some reason in the United States, we believe that we are not really connected to the throne. 
mean, in your case, you have the queen on your bills and Canadian dollars, and, and it seems to be more overt. Why is it that here in the United States we have this illusion of independence when we're really not that independent? Well, it's, it's like anything else. We're, we're programmed to think that in order to create uh, societies or create personalities. I mean, every country really is just a personality in law. It's what everyone has agreed to. So you create division, and by creating division, you're not going to understand your true power as an individual, are we? You're, you're going to think your true power is associated with the group. And, in fact, everybody who say, says that, they say, you know, uh, there's more power with more people. But the fact is the law protects the individual. Your true power is the absolute rights to um, that's protected in law. And we never use those that law because we're never taught that. Now, um, having, you know, gone there, the the – United States can never have full allodium rights to title because, remember, any agreement is a fiction of law, and thereby it is not, you know, true based on living life, uh, sentient being. It's it's based on an agreement. So, if the law protects you as an individual, as soon as you go into a group, now you've created a relative right, absolute right. But a relative right. In order to make that relative right of value, or that of value, you have to overreach your absolute rights, or it would never work. So the U.S. has really what they fought for was the right to take over and govern over the use of land. But they can never own the land because a government can't because there's a fiction in the first place. It's like, you know, air can't hold um, water, you know, or, or whatever. You have to have something of substance to do it. So just think it that way, that every country, every every agreement is a fiction. It has no, it can't hold of anything of, of corporeal, of interest. It can only hold the incorporeal and those rights attached to it. And the U.S. fought for that right to use the land and then pay itself or manage itself. But it still has to pay the trust in private because the trust in private is yours and mine. Is yours as the individual and mine as the individual. So you're not, so U.S. is not from the monarchy. They are for, in, in an equitable sense, but in a common law, they're not because the land has to be held in one central trust. Let's keep diving into the rabbit hole here for a second because I'm thinking of natural law and there's so many perceptions about natural law. Uh, sometimes it's ambiguous, but basically natural law cannot be written by governments. Am I correct? That's correct. It's bottom line, natural law was just the foundational of our interpretation, what we think that should look like, our morals and ethics, if you will. And it's the countries to exist. I lost so you for I lost you for about ten seconds. Sorry. Go ahead. Repeat oh, okay. that. Okay. So natural law is anything that we explain about natural law, or divine and natural law uh, is our interpretation of what we think the morals and ethics um, are the foundations of moral and ethics between agreements. So, bottom line, you know, natural and divine law is those things we don't make an agreement to. They are automatically existing. We're just trying to interpret how to interact with each individual who then, then make agreements henceforth. And those create the foundations for treaties so that corporations can be governed succinctly or within one pool whereby they, everybody, if they go against those principles that they've structured in natural law, we had a right to then, you know, prevent them from doing that. 
Let me ask you about St. Thomas Aquinas and Aristotle. When I think of natural law, it is said that uh, Aristotle was the father of natural law, but the interpretation came from St. Thomas Aquinas or in Spanish, Santo Tomás de Aquino. Um, explain that connection there, uh, because obviously, even though this is a law not written by governments, it has an origin by uh, Aristotle or the interpretation by St. Thomas Aquinas. That's pretty much what we can uh, agree on. We, I don't think we'll ever come to uh, a tenable uh, foundation of what, who did what, who's on first and what's on second. I don't think that maybe that we can even have that discussion without trying to, you know, uh, I mean, we always, like we always know that history was written by the victor. We don't know how it was created in order to get to where we're at right now. All we know is what is foundationally, um, true within ourselves like for instance um you know if i don't want my cow stolen i don't want to go i'm not you shouldn't go out there and steal someone else's cow or if i want my right arm cut off i shouldn't go cut off someone else's right arm it's just common sense logical thinking so that's probably the foundations of us to say yeah we got to set a structure that you know we're not going to do things to each other in, in constant battle but there is some sort of end and the only way to create that end is to make sure that each person has the absolute right to liberty and the right to happiness and that should never be impeded if it's impeded with intent now we've got something to go against but you see for example i don't like to talk about my personal life but i for example i belong to a board of directors somewhere else and they keep talking about well that is common sense and i keep telling them Common sense is a very subjective matter. What is common sense to you might not be common sense to me. So it, it, the, the gray area of that can be troublesome sometimes. And I say this because natural law is universal. It applies to everyone, everywhere in the same way. You know, for example, natural law assumes that everyone believes killing another person is wrong and that punishment for killing another person is right. Now, When it comes to punishment, some people say, well, we should kill the person the same way he was killed, or it could be imprisonment, or it could be starvation, or whatever that might be. Who determines what is correct? Well, I think maybe we should put that word to the word kill into a more uh, uh, succinct value. And it's, I think it said thou shalt not murder. That would make sense. Killing is not really making sense in the fact that if somebody's attacking me or my family and I don't have any choice, then then I'm going to, you know, retaliate subject to the enforcement that I receive. Now, I also, I'm only measured by my own intent, my own subjectivity. So common sense, you're right. It's not all that common, but it's 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 got foundationally Was your intent correct at the time that you involved yourself in the incident that occurred subject? Okay. And since we're all subject to our own beliefs, um, you know, we may, may consider that we had the right to do a certain act, but in the overall group, if the overall group had a, a thought about it, would it hold, you know, would the center hold? And I think that that's where we can only, you know, ever expect to, 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 to arrive at is that, If I went to the common group, would that, you know, make sense for the actions that I did? And was my intent of true, of true and honor? And really, that's, that's the entirety of a lot of the system, too. The system's just based on honor and our agreements. So, you know, are we honorable in our agreements? And then if we're not, then we're subject to the law. Um, 
let me go back to so a, yeah, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish your statement. No, I, I think I was actually finished. I, I don't, it wasn't really adding anything new, but it's just sort of, you know, adding a little bit more to what I just said. It's not much more, but go ahead. Yeah. As I mentioned to you yesterday, you're opening doors that I haven't opened before. So when I find someone new that opens doors for me, it's, it's very fascinating because I'm getting into things that even though when I went to university, I did study a lot of law, but a lot of that law is not what really we should be learning. Because the law that we're taught, the academia, uh, the bar, all those things. But Aquinas recognizes four main kinds of law, the eternal, the natural, the human, and the divine. The last three all depend on the first, but in different ways. Were, were we to arrange them in a hierarchy, eternal would be at the top, the natural, then human. Divine law is not in conflict with natural law, but it reaches human beings by a different route Revelation. Now, of course, to some people, my, this may sound religious. Is it religious? Because I heard that the two most important books that made it to the New World, and I forgot uh, what the, the name of one. One is the Bible, and the other one is uh, the one that you and I were discussing this morning. What was the name of it? Blackstone's Commentary. Exactly. That wise Blackstone's Commentary. Allegedly, it's, it's an Anglican book, uh, if you will. Why is it so important? Because it sets the foundations for everyone in order to deal with land. And maybe I, I can run into that, that point. Foundationally, there is no law that any individual is subject to. Okay. You or I or anyone is not under any law that we're born into because that would be involuntary servitude or slavery. If we were subject to, Hey, this is what you have to do. That's, that's not free will, is it? So. What they did and, and what the system was based on is a land tenure. It's the control over land. Now, let's face it. There is no prequel to anyone creating an original title to owner, having ownership of land. It evolved. Um, not sure if people are fighting each other or whatever was the case, but we created the, the idea of ownership. And then we created the, okay, now we need to create rules surrounding that ownership. So now we create rules to that person using that land. And then we create people who want to use that land, but not own the land, but use it for their, you know, creating crops or whatever else. Now we have create rules for that. So what Blackstones was, it set the foundations of precise and concise law, whereby it's every, they knew where they can set their basis of when they deal with any matters within court, because it was already discussed. And Blackstones, commentaries he blackstone was uh, william blackstone was commissioned to write the law up until his his time which was the 18th century to disclose all the law to that point so that we can have a foundation from which to create agreements therefrom as we move into more rights to property and land use so the bible sets the spiritual foundation of how we should act within each other um, you know, I, I, I sort of say that the Old Testament is the common law. You know, it's, it's, it's blood for, you know, it's sacrifice. It's, it's blood, cow for a cow, that kind of thing. And then the New Testament, uh, and the, the birth of the Christ consciousness is the equitable law. That's where you look at the intent of the agreement rather than, you know, you look at all the matters that, that created the, the circumstance of the issue. And then you make a, uh, uh, the scapegoat use the law as the means to settle that issue instead of, you know, sacrificing your goat or whatever else in the common law. So 
uh, I don't know if I digress too far there, but the Bible was your, you know, how we should act with each other and how we should treat each other and what really has the ego when it gets involved with the spiritual aspect of things. And then the uh, New Testament is really the scape, scapegoat to say, okay, we're not pure, we're not great, you know, we're going to have some issues here. Um, so we need some sort of no black and white, we need gray areas dealt with. And that's what really, you know, to me, it's, it's how that is set up and Blackstone being the principles that have already been discussed as regards to land tenures and those rights annexed too. Let me just discuss something here. The, the known ability, the known ability law that we have in the United States where basically nobody, no, no citizen actually should be given a, a, a title of nobility or derive any, especially if you're in government, yeah, but, receive any kind of a, a money or, or titles or land or whatever it is in the United States. But then again, we have the word bar. And I always move with the evidence. I remember about 10 years ago, somebody said, I think it was Jordan Maxwell, who said that bar, when someone passes the bar, it means British uh, accreditation registry. Now, they came up and they said that that is just a conspiracy theory. That term does not exist, and it's just for barristers. Now, where do you stand? Do you think that that is true or not? Well, I'm with you on that, uh, Mel. I'm not 100% sure. And yes, I did see it the same way and heard it the same way you did. Um, and it does make a lot of sense because we are ex we are actually walking into another aspect of ourselves when we cross that bar whereby we're willing to give up our our um, power of attorney either over to a magistrate, over to a lawyer. And there, that changes a whole dynamic. And it changes us from our absolute rights into a, a relative right so that then that agreement can be dealt with. The, uh, I mean, let's, the lawyers, I mean, there's a difference between the, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's the barristers, which were the ends of the court that dealt with the common law, right. dealt with the king's court, so dealt with those things that were instrumental to land tenure. And then the church, the Roman church, created the lawyers. They're the ones who created Oxford and Cambridge. They're the ones who created the the perpetuity instrument. They created the the rights to put your your land interest into an instrument that then cannot die. Therefore, if it did not die, you weren't subject to inheritance and, and issues of the common law that the king held. It was separate. So lawyers sort of evolved uh, through the church and the barristers at the ends of court dealt with the common law and those rights that the, the king had. And in fact, it was the, the, the lawyers that would call the, the barristers heathens because they didn't allow for that salvation to move that burden uh, by putting into a perpetuity instrument these um, uh, your interest, you were stuck in common law, and common law was harsh. You know, like I said it's black and white. You didn't write your agreement correctly. Hey, too bad, so sad. You're not going to to win the case. And lawyers evolved through the use of land where it was bought. That hey, we can circumvent the common law and create a perpetuity instrument, and um, that way. No one dies, therefore the king's rights, which were the common law to wardships, incidents, um, you know, death taxes, that kind of thing. He was then, he wasn't able to get those anymore because no one died 
being that they were perpetuity. So lawyers fight with perpetuity in the court deal with common law values of corporeal interest under the king. A few days ago, someone gave me a, I don't mean to be jumping around, but it's all about legalese, legalese. A few days ago, someone gave me a different perspective regarding the civil war in the United States, that it was not about slavery. The North was fought, uh, you know, they were fighting to keep the Northern states and Canada for the British crown and the South for France. Where are we today, in your opinion? Um, I'm not really sure of how to unpack that. Um, I think that regardless of what is going on in what you've just described, those are sort of distractions within the board game. Um, it doesn't really matter if one doesn't want to play the game anymore. I mean, anything that's going on in the public right now is is the fiction. It's not, it's the illusion. We're, and if you get transfixed in that, you'll never get into discovery what law is. Law has nothing to do with those interests that are dealt with on the board game. They're dealt with your own individual rights. And in order to perfect law, as it happened in 1688, the Bill of Rights, where the land was now taken uh, out from the monarchy as the despotic monarchy, the one who's the grand poobah, if you will, Game of Thrones, that's it. That's what the whole Game of Thrones movie is really about, is removing that, uh, the land interest in the, in the, in the monarchy and giving it back to the people and then having a governance who then monitors the use of that land, but doesn't control the people because people have absolute rights. Government only controls people when they make the agreement to, to their interest that they're holding. So define law, then. Law is simply agreement, if we put it at the just one word, and then it it is our agreements to land and those rights annexed to land. That's what law is. So when it comes to the ignorance of the law, for example, you and I go rob a bank and then come out and say, well, we didn't know it was illegal to rob a bank. Well, the ignorance of the law does not uh, exceed us from from. Uh, abiding by it. So if law is an agreement, who agrees to it? Is it Congress? Is it the, uh, the the politicians? Who agrees to the law? Well, here here it is. Everyone's agreeing to the law, absolutely. You cannot escape the law in as much as that you have all these interests. I mean, there's land, which is corporeal. Those are which we, as corporeal you know, uh, individuals, have the absolute right to, to do as we will. Then, then we move that right into a monarchy who then transfers a right to use that land because, you know, we're not capable of it or we're not able to supply, you know, to monitor supply and demand issues and all those different things. And the, I might have lost track with some of that question you asked. Let me think back how you had, oh, the, Oh, say, say that again, your question, you remember? <laughs> I lost my train there. Basically, if it's an agreement, doesn't someone yeah. have to agree to that law? Okay, so we agree through our actions. That's it. So it's an assumption that we understand the law, therefore that comes that law, that maxim you just created, which maxims are self-evident truths, that ignorance of the law is no excuse for violation of the law, thereby 
it means that you as an individual are responsible for knowing what the law is. And then when you go out into the world, whether you are under government or you're directly subject to the monarchy or whatever, the court recognizes your actions based on the thing that you're dealing with in order to provide remedy if an issue arises for, uh, you know, against your person or against the thing. So our agreements just happen automatically because at infancy, you have none. You can't create a contract. You can't create a trust. You can't do anything. You have nothing. So it's held for you. The agreements had to be held for you so that when you're ready at the age to understand the laws and, and come to your own power and your own morals and ethics standing, that when you arrive at that time, you then are construed to have understood what you are and what your, your, your rights are. And then it's seen in the public of how you interact to describe what your remedy is based on your status and based on the thing that you hold. So it's automatic because there's another way of say, saying it this way. Everything that is absolutely your right is done through an operation of law. Meaning, like laws of nature and divine nature, you do not make an agreement with them, with it. It's already there, running all the time, uh, continuous loop behind the scenes. Okay, it's a preemption to everything. Well, operations of laws make sure that you're protected as an individual from the group, and your rights to to hold land as a credit. The um, and from that when that point, anytime you make a an agreement, so it's called an act of parties. Now that act of parties is subject to the discernment between the intent of the two parties that were involved in that act. So everything that the government deals with and the monarchy deals with unwritten emails is done by an act of parties. So your actions create your jurisdiction and create the subject matter that you're going to be dealt with and thereby provide you the correct remedy. But no one's ever brought the law into courts. It's not discussed in the public courts because that's not what the interest of the government deals with. It doesn't doesn't deal with your absolute rights. It only deals with those relatives' rights that you agree to under government through an act of parties. So the assumption comes that you know what you're doing, <laughs> and uh, thereby you're on your own accord. They can't be your babysitter, but you know, you know, the more rights we give away, obviously they become more of our uh, our master, right? Speaking of master, I'm thinking of something that I read at the beginning, something you said, that you'll disclose the entire reasoning why we are experiencing crimes against the people now made legal. I don't know why I thought about this, but a few days ago I saw a meme where they had, I believe it was a service dog or a trained dog, and it stated that these types of dogs will ignore commands if they believe it acts against their own conscience. Mm -hmm. And you would think... And I know some soldiers and, and police sometimes do that too. They ignore the law if it's against their will. But the majority of the people, especially soldiers and looking at what happened in uh, multiple world wars and conflicts, they don't seem to ignore that, even if they feel that that is against natural law. What's your opinion on this? Yeah, isn't that, uh, we go into the, the societal uh, group mentality, the, the, the personhood that was created. And we're always trying to, we're always protecting the, the object instead of the subject into our, our own rights. Um, it's, I, I think the best way of saying it, you're reifying the abstract. You're making it real when it's not real. And we, I mean, in our own defense, 
we've never been taught anything more than what's been regulated under government, and government's only taught under the fiction. And the fiction can never bring in truth because the truth destroys the fiction. You see how that works? So the truths that we received are from the facts they create. And we're protecting that, you know, I'm an American or I'm Canadian or I'm a, you know, or whatever. We're protecting those, uh, those fictions and making them our own. And when we start doing that, and especially when we create, create groups, we follow the group mindlessly because in our own defense, we don't know what we don't know what we're doing. I mean, we're not going to ask questions we think we already know the answers to. So we continue on supporting the very thing that's hurting each individual. And in case in point, the fact that we have cancer today, the $54 billion industry, is because we're all supporting cancer. We need cancer because it's part of our industry. It's part of we need to... Uh, create that sustainability in order to create the waste, in order for government to keep control. We are doing everything. In fact, we're for, through our agreements, we've already agreed for the system to collapse. Okay. And, and same as we agreed to cancer and diabetes and all those other health issues so we can keep the healthcare system going. We've agreed that, but it, we just don't know what we don't know. And that is, we don't need to be under government and we don't need to be under monarchy. We need to stand in our own power based on those morals and ethics. In fact, I just came to my own uh, uh, idea today that uh, funneled in after uh, speaking to you uh, as well, Mel, is that, you know what? Everybody's saying the capstone's missing. You know who the capstone is? We are. The individual is. Because the individual is, is, creates all of the problems because they don't know who they are in the moment of, of their choice. They don't even know what – there's a choice outside of the choices they have. They've always had a choice within the game. The, the system, the elite, and the law play chess. Chess is exactly the way it's played, how the, how the, how the pieces move, wherever you go in the world. That is chess. And chess, the better, to be a better chess player, you got to be 10, 20. The more moves you got in advance, the better you're going to be. Well, those guys are playing chess. And what they gave the government to administrate over is the game Monopoly. A Monopoly, what's the, what's the prime directive? Is a bankrupt your neighbor. That's the prime directive of Monopoly. So that's what we're doing. We're continuing to harm ourselves within a system that we're, that we keep on, uh, you know, feeding and we're thinking it's good for us. But in fact, what it's doing is, is furthering our demise and moving us further into, um, well, let's face it, a, a, a tenocracy is where we're going whereby we're not going to have any property rights because that's all we've ever purchased under this trust of sale. And we're and it's all going to go to trustees and trustees are going to own anything, everything, or control everything, and we won't even know who these trustees are. I forgot what country it was. I recently read, and I knew this was coming. I've, I've said it for a very long time that in the future with AI, you're going to see people going to a local Walmarts. Just put your hand, your arm there, just check your blood pressure, and whatever you need, you're going to get dispensed right there from the computer. You don't need to go to the doctor for that. Uh, attorneys. What do attorneys need? They need paralegals to go do research. But if all of this is in computers, and a, a judge is out there determining a case, a computer will not fail. Obviously, cert certain arguments, you know, certain things you need to have, you know, uh, certain information so you can be persuaded either way that a computer won't be able to do. It's going to be so black and white, guilty or innocent. Do you see that time in the future where we're going to see 
technology, or as you call it, technocracy. I call it, you know, corporatocracy, technocracy. Do you see a time where that's going to be really, they're going to have their own self-governance? Well, I think this is what this is. We're, we're, we're voluntarily, because everything has to be voluntarily in order to substantiate the agreement. And all, everything law is, is about agreement. So right now, we're agreeing to euthanize ourselves because we're no longer needed in as much as we built our own slavehood. And, techno and technology is built whereby it is, can govern or can take care of everything that we, that whoever survives will ever need. And in regards to AI, you're not going to have, um, it's going to go sort of like black and white. It, you're not even going to have a right to, to discuss your intent because your intent doesn't need validation anymore. No it's exceptions, right? Yeah, we're, we're just going to be, hey, you know, you didn't smile at that person on this day. There's a social credit mark of this. And therefore, you know, it's going to uh, lower your score. I, I don't know if you ever seen Black Mirror, I think it was called or something. Like that. But the same thing. <laughs> of it's showing you where we're headed in 1984, where everything is, is, is not going to even need judges per se, because everything is going to be pre-written based on your agreement to be within the system that, again, you don't even know that you've agreed to. And therefore, that agreement says you've agreed to the social credit system and you agreed to smile at 10 people a day and you didn't do that. So that's it. There's no black or white. It's, I mean, I'm sorry, not black and white. There's no gray area. Like equity right now is we're dealing in, we built upon equity, which is, you know, the intent of the agreement, not so the black and white of what's written. Well, now they're going into it's black and white. Trustees, they own everything, all property rights. You have no rights. And uh, you'll be happy, by the way. <laughs> and you will be judged accordingly because just like you're judged accordingly now, thinking you have rights, but you still don't. You have relative rights according to your agreements. Your absolute rights, again, are the law prior to government and prior to the monarchy. And then at that stage, you make your 100% agreements from that point. You're 100% responsible. And from let me jump off from that point. Anyone who thinks they're ever, every day 100% responsible, you're not. Let's face it. It's limited liability. You're in limited liability line. The only way you can be 100% responsible is turn directly under the bind in natural law and then claim land, not purchase land. Purchase is a, is a, is a construct of under government. You claim land because land is what is held in the monarchy. You remove that. You move it back into divine and natural law and the borders become those, the government, those people that agree to their lots and meets and bounds. They become your border. And you make your own agreements. So now you're 100% for, uh, you know, liable for everything where we should be when we're more morally and ethically sound. That's pretty much what we're doing right now. I think we're just going through a schooling to advance and tweak our uh, interactions and our honorability among others. Because before then, you know, you had to go to a duel or whatever else if you were somebody thought you were in honor. Um, and so we're just evolving as say from Egypt, which was complete slavery, to then partial slavery, where we had uh, the Roman Empire, then we moved into a militant control under uh, William the Conqueror of 1066, who then took over that uh, that um, uh, sanction or land tenures, where everything is cheated back to him, so no land was ever held in abeyance. And then in 1688, after the Glorious Revolution, then we got our 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 true freedom, and we were no longer subject to the monarchy. 
And then with that having that being said, the monarchy cannot kick you out of the settlement. You have to, again, free will. You've got to leave the settlement when you're ready. And there you are, whether it's through ignorance of how many people were able to read and write the law and that kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure at that time, but based on ignorance, um, you know, nobody left the settlement or our ancestors, and most of them didn't. And here we are. We're still in the settlement when we are not, we don't have to be subject to. We can make our own agreements, uh, create, have our own credit, not be governed by anything, uh, taxes or anything, because we hold the credit now to which the government then leans against in order to create its, 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 its own reality, its own modality, if you will. Let's talk about a couple of concepts. I remember when I used to be in the corporate world, a company called Dun & Bradstreet, and one of the first things that I learned uh, was the word credit. Credit means a confidence a man deposits in another man, uh, mm -hmm. or today, men or women. Uh, same thing with law, right? Who creates the law? Is it God that creates the law? Because here in the United States, there are certain laws that uh, cannot be, you know, the, the, the pursuit of happiness, that's part of a bill of rights. Uh, supposedly, no, no man can come up with that. It's just, a, a it, it's supernatural. Uh, when it comes to to this so-called virus right now, one of the things, and I don't mean to sound disconnected, but I think of countries like Canada, the United States, New Zealand, Australia. Let me pick on Australia for a moment. I always had this picture of Australia, of people who were really renegades, who would take the country back if they had to. At the moment, a tyrannical government would take, you know, step on them. And if there's one thing that we've learned, and that has happened even here in the United States, where I thought a lot of my fellow human beings would stand up, and a lot of them are, but maybe a little bit too late. Why do you think that is? That in certain countries, especially Canada, you're right there. You can see what I'm discussing. Uh, um, I guess I, I, I just reverted back to being dumbfounded with thinking that all of our freedoms are part of what we became patriotic towards or what we've agreed to. Our agreement becomes a foundational principle that we gravitate towards and you know, again, that adage that, uh, you know, we're never going to ask a question we already think we know the answer to. So everything that we're experiencing now is in great direct relationship to the agreement we made um, to dissolve this economy at this time. Um, and having said that, we all can agree that it's unsustainable. It's, it's, if it's unsustainable, it means it's not going to last forever. It's like, you know, your fridge is going to have a warranty and it's going to, sooner or later, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to collapse on you. So you don't get it and purchase it thinking you're going to have it forever. Well, this is where we've, um, this is where we've lost ourselves that we're protecting that which we need to destroy because it's not who we are. We want peace, abundance, uh, prosperity. We want connectedness and, 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 ability to have honor and all of agreements to trust our neighbor and we we don't again just people don't know where to go they i mean people are believing in an invisible virus let's let's just get ready to that point there is no has never been a killer virus in human in in in, in human in nature it doesn't exist I mean, science and, and government can't patent nature. So what do they create? They create 
the an attribute from the principle, and then from that they create the reality that we then derive facts from in, in, in our principle. So, you know, the virus is a means to an end to which the our ignorance, collective ignorance of what law is and what we're doing to ourselves um, cannot be explained. So thereby, they're using the virus to get us there. <laughs> again, that doesn't even exist in the first place, but we're agreeing to, again, euthanize ourselves through the injection so that we can honor the agreement that we're in to move to a sustainable system. And that unfortunate sustainable system is going to be for haves and have-nots. But if we turn it around and we come into a true power, then we're the capstone. And at that point, everything, every title, I don't care if you're Bill Gates or, or Bezos, it doesn't matter. All of those guys are holding more debt than you are. They don't own anything. They have a right interest and are controlling that interest. You, coming back as your true uh, uh, self, you then have more power because you're providing the credit for that debt-based conduct to, 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 to be structured. So the virus is, is a catalyst. It doesn't exist. Um, any of the Spanish flu, all those things. And if you ever want to go back to, you know, during the time of, um, uh, I think it was in the 1850s, anyway, the 19th century, uh, between Pasteur and, uh, and uh, Bechamp, whereby Bachamp was the, the greater scientist, the greater's mind, and Pasteur was just sort of a, a hack, if you will, and he came in with the idea of germ theory. Well, germ theory was heavily monetized. Why? Because you can create value from it. The snake oil salesman, you can create the illusion where Bachamp was, hey, you, the disease is in the host. Therefore, you cure the disease by proper nutrition. In fact, in the 1930s, I think I looked at the law dictionary, it said provisions. Provisions are those things that are healthy to another human, and anything that's sold that's unhealthy is a misdemeanor in law. Well, look at where we're at now. Look at your grocery store. We're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> we're definitely in a different landscape. We're in the matrix. We're in the world. We're in an agreement to that thing that's hurting ourselves. We're creating our own problems. We're slapping ourselves in the face every single day. When we are actually the capstone, we're the one who's before the titles, before those those interests held by, doesn't matter who you want, you know, the banksters, the Rothschilds, it doesn't matter. They're holding a debt interest. They're not holding the credit. They can't. They're fictions. This is very important what you're saying, especially I'm thinking of the Spanish flu because people are equating this to the Spanish flu. But guess what, folks? The Spanish flu did not start in Spain, and I've said this before. I can speak for an hour about that. It started in Fort Riley in Kansas, here in the United States. Two million U.S. troops were inoculated, and they spread it around perhaps a bacteria that affected people's lungs, created pneumonia, spread around the world in places in Europe with they lacked sanita proper sanitation. That's how it happened. Who was behind it? The Rockefeller Foundation. Who was the man behind it? Frederick Gates. Now, is he related to Bill Gates? Who do we have now? I mean, it's almost like the same thing is repeating again and again and again, and we don't question it. And the problem is, a lot of the people we're trying to wake up, a lot of people we're trying to save, are looking at us as the enemy. They really wish death upon a lot of us or at the least go to a concentration camp until you're inoculated 10 times or whatever the booster level is at the time. 
said, this is what concerns me the most, that the biggest enemy for any government, in my opinion, whether it's a tyrannical government or not, is the sovereign critical thinker. What they want is the hive mind. And this is, and I hate to say it for my Canadian brothers, brothers and sisters in Australia, New Zealand, and many parts of Europe, is that you comply. You're, you're too obedient. And now, thankfully, we have the truckers. And that's, that's also a theory I have to, uh, David, I want to see what your take on, on this trucker convoy is. Because what if they now have this program, and it's a false flag, where they actually have these truckers, and now next month they say, well, we don't have any food, we don't have any medicines, because the truckers did that. And now they're going to blame the truckers for more deaths. Your opinion on that? Absolutely. I, I, I share the same um, feelings with you. Again, the the we have to look at the the core, uh, you know, the core issue here is that the system has to collapse. We never really sort of unpack that, really, but it has to meet its end. So, how everything that we do right now is going to meet that end. So, yeah, it's great to show you know this this solidarity and the Canadians, and then it's actually speaking for the world, are giving a worldly voice that we're not going to take it anymore. Yeah. You know, a little twist of sister there, and the. The, the movement of the the the, the truck the truckers to me is again creating another level that wasn't seen before, where people thought they actually had a voice. Well, the truckers are showing you don't, and they're showing that how the the uh, I guess call him Jesuit Trudeau because he is a Jesuit, and Jesuits are meant to twist everything and lie about everything. That by the way, I don't mean to interject, but so was Fidel Castro, a Jesuit. <laughs> Yeah, well, so was Trudeau's father. They went to Jesuit school, and so is the Pope. Well, look what we got here. They Anything that's said in the public, if you drop roses, like I think some of the guys were talking at the memorial, he will spin that and say you're des desecrating the memorial, okay? Um, if you put a Canadian flag on Terry Fox statute, he will say that's desecration. But if you put a rainbow flag on there, or if you put you know something like that on, well, it's not because it shares with his views. He will twist everything. Now, like you just said, what is that, that, that trucker convoy in? Is it actually a psyop? Is it actually going to then, uh, have us through the Hegelian dialectic to create the, the, the thesis and, and antithesis or antithesis to create a new synthesis by based on people clamoring for food and saying, well, it's the trucker's fault. Now everybody tends to see, you know, you've already got this division between vax and unvax now you've got this other division occurring and all we're creating is more and more and more and more division and but at the same time here it is is each one of those points need to be seen because everybody's at a different level of awareness and until that's seen no one's like i said not going to ask a question they already think they know the answer to they already think that you know, the, the truckers are wrong and the unvaxxed are wrong. Well, they're not going to come to that realization unless there's a disturbance. So the synthesis is going to arrive based on what has garnered from the, 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 the thesis and the uh, antithesis or antithesis, what's going to happen. And each, like I said, it's a great awakening or reset. We go to technocracy or we go into abundance, peace, um, you know, um, and a, a, a sustainable model. That's yet to be seen, but each thing within it has got to be unpacked and, and, and so that we can, um, see it and then 
from that point, it's like critical mass, I think it's 51%, and then that becomes the new reality, and then we jump off from that point. So it's like a cocoon. I always, you know, we're breaking out of the cocoon. We're always at the butterfly at the very moment of birth. You know, we, we were the butterfly, but then we gorge ourselves in the material as a caterpillar. Now we got to digest ourselves, um, who we thought we were. And then before we merge into the, the, the into the butterfly. And so it's, it's really hard. It's, it's a nail biter. It's the hero's journey. It's, it's like we always been instructed in all movies. You know, the first 20 minutes is, is a problem and, and the, our hero gets over it. And then the next 60 minutes is a problem. It's like, how are you ever going to get out of that way? And then they do because it's persistence. It's, it's learning from the experiences that then get us to where we're at now. And such as myself, I have zero regrets because it made me exactly who I am. And if you don't know, if you don't love who you are right now, that's going to be your issue. You're going to gravitate and you lose your power and you're going to move towards, you know, uh, support in a system or support in a group. You have the power. You just, you just been giving it away for too long. Well, here in the United States, we have the Department of Homeland Security, which when it was created after 9-11 and the Transportation and Safety uh, Agency, TSA, in all airports, I said to myself, this will never go away because the government, once it starts growing, it never goes down. It's a hydra. That's just a survival mechanism that it has. But even right now, as of uh, a couple of days ago, DHS warns against mistrust of U.S. government in latest terror thread. Anyone who spreads, quote-unquote, misinformation about COVID, about the way the government is handling the border, is considered a domestic terrorist. This is what we are right now. And people think, oh, geez, Mel, this is reading too much 1984. But that's just the way it is. And, for example, the truckers, not only in Canada, but the United States, and it's happening in New Zealand and in Europe right now, thankfully. Hopefully, you know, look what's happening in certain provinces in Canada, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But you're removing some of the mandates and some of the restrictions. So, obviously, some of the government people are feeling the pressure, except for Trudeau, who seems to be, you know, hiding. But what if this Hegelian dialectic can be applied to it. You know, the trucker strikes around the world. All of a sudden, they consider them terrorists because of the lack of food, medicine. And all of a sudden, the catalyst, that is the catalyst for, say, a Tesla driverless semi-trucks. Do you see that? Yeah, I see, again, I, I see the reset playing on and, and, and the technocratic system developing, as well as I see that, the, the, the awakening. Um, the... The thing that we have to gravitate towards and it gives it self empowerment that we've always held, the capstone, is here we are, we're agreeing to all the things that we received since we accepted the birth certificate. We've made agreements to purchase houses and to trade everything under trust for sale, whereby we don't own anything. We're just the quasi trustees of everything. Even the pen, no one owns anything. This is just all counted as waste. And then, since the government is really a waste management company, the most waste we create, which they, of course, help develop, <laughs> the more legislation they create, the more legislation they create, the more power they get. So we give them that power. And then when we've had enough, we're fighting against the agreement we made initially to destroy the system that we're in so that we can move on sustainability. But again, we can see the division 
is for those who, with the knowledge and those who are not with knowledge. So it's, it's really difficult. It's simple, but it's, it's not simplex to describe because we are the ones are actually creating a terrorism within our own personalities. Remember, every, every country is a person. Every government's a person. Every corporation's a person. Walmart's a person. It doesn't matter. You're a person because you have to create equal equality in law. So you agreed to be as one society to what that person imbibes, what its, what its foundations are. And now you're fighting against it at the same time, wanting what you agreed to, to no longer <laughs> be, uh, the overlying, uh, governing factor. You're using the morals and ethics you have as a human, seeing that we're euthanizing ourselves, so seeing that we're killing our children and everything. We're seeing that we're, we're trapping bacteria in our, in our, with those masks, which only trap bacteria to create anaerobic spores, and that's creating disease in our body, which creates more problems. I mean, we're constantly doing all of this, and then we're fighting against what we wanted in the first place without, through the assumption of not knowing what it was that we were actually driving towards. The law is perfect, again, and it's our agreements and our misunderstanding what those agreements are that we create our own problems. And like I said, the government is a fiction, therefore it can never discuss the truth and never discuss the laws, and you can't get the law in Harvard. You are, I don't care what where you go to, what, what education, academia you go to, and I'm probably pretty fortunate that I never got myself subjugated to it or inculcated with that methodology, that we, um, uh, that all of us have supported this system and flying our flags and everything else without coming to our founded principles that are where our moral and ethics stand, and we can now use that to move ourselves out of the system, out of the agreement, and then create the real reality uh, that's going to be beneficial for all. I might have skipped over something I, I think there was a i was going on the flow and then i sort of uh, took a fork there <laughs> that's okay that, that's how i'm doing it too because this is so vast we have to take a one and only break but let me just say this look at what is happening right now manufacturers of the v are exempt from liability the government is exempt from liability and they're giving the product away for quote-unquote free but it's not free. When you hear the words free and government, you know that's a, the biggest oxymoron of all. The taxpayer is funding all the, you know, all whatever's happening and whatever's going to happen in the future. If there are long lasting effects on the population that voluntarily took it, $33.5 billion in sales from boosters this in the last year from Pfizer. Do you really think if they're going to be making that and much more in the future? that they're going to make this stop? Who knows? I think the narrative is collapsing, but they might be finding something else. But when I come back, I really want to discuss the true intent of the global collapse, of the global reset. We discussed it briefly. It was the tip of the iceberg, but I want to get deeper into the in that iceberg to see what's really happening and how we can, that fork in the road, how to really achieve the great awakening. David, how can people learn more about your work? You're totally new when it comes to speaking out and talking. Is this your first interview? This is my first one. Uh, the only interaction I get um, is through uh, Facebook and just recently a couple of, um, well, Facebook for one, but the other thing is the uh, we have uh, 
a, a group that only speaks the law and it's under successors.ca and that's S-U-C-C-E-R-R No, I'm going to have to write it down here. I think I gave it to you, right? You did. It's successors.ca Yeah, successors.ca with an S at the end. Right. And there we discover and discuss only the law. Now, there's forms on there and everything has been discussed. I mean, more than once. So if somebody wants to go there and they want to understand what their true, what the true law is and, and, and how to imbibe your true power and then go back to the law in order to settle your accounts and settle your rights and move yourselves out from where this collapse going because it has to go and stop hanging onto the rim. Um, that's where you can go to and then start reading the form instead of asking questions right away I would just start reading 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 because everything's there and everything questions already been answered and uh, yeah this is my first interview and um, you know I don't know where I'm going to go on from here but I've been keeping it myself because I've had to sort of develop um, how to communicate with it because I need to deal with it in a court of law into a higher to a supreme court well not supreme court but the high courts of chancery and I've got to be able to talk on this level to which is never discussed in the public and I'm sure we'll get back to get to that a little later on too. And I think you fall within the category of Vox Populi. We have this, this uh, por- not portion, but this uh, sometimes when there's a new people that haven't written a book that want to tell their story, we put them out here on the Vox Populi platform, Voice of the People. And I think you definitely meet that criteria. When we come back, I really want to just continue discussing the purpose, the reasons for every conflict we're now facing so that we can arrive at the only means in which we can stop it all. And that way, we arrive at the Great Awakening. My special guest today is David Hicks. He doesn't have a website yet, but if he does have one in the future, aside from the one he provided, I'll post it on our website as well. This is Mel Hosslerick. One more hour to go. You are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas because you don't want to believe, you want to know.